Hi, I'm Kathy Bixel, and welcome to the Kathy Bixel Podcast. I'm so happy you could join us today. I am here in New Jersey this morning in sweltering heat, so I am up very early in the morning uh, doing this podcast, super excited to dive into part two of our study of the validity of Marxism as a political and economic philosophy that could be a remedy or a solution to the the upheaval and the chaos that we are facing in our world. Because many um, and often well-intentioned people believe that this is a viable philosophy that needs to be um, integrated into the fabric of American life to solve the problems, to solve the injustices we see economically and politically. And so because we as Christians look at life, are supposed to look at life through the lens of scripture, my responsibility, even though I am not a politician or a college professor, my responsibility and my calling is to preach the gospel. And, and to teach the Word of God and to equip the body of Christ on how to stand in the evil day. And if there has ever been a time of evil, a time of great conflict and chaos and trial and challenge um, and uncertainty, it is in, it is now, it is in this very season. And see, in times of uncertainty and chaos, the world's clamors and panics for solutions that will just make it all go away. But as believers, we have a different perspective. We respond to everything happening in the world through what God has revealed about himself, about his relationship with us, and his relationship to the world. And so we began last time uh, as part of our overall study of how to cultivate a Christian worldview. We, in our last time together in episode five, we began to talk about or did part one of uh, kind of dissecting uh, Marxism as an economic and political theory. And so we're going to go into part two today, and uh, hopefully you had an opportunity to listen to that prior one. Please do, because we are going to build upon it. Last time, we predominantly spoke of the overarching conflict that Marxism as a philosophy has with Christianity in that it believes that the answer to to the problems in the earth uh, is found in man. Um, it is found in society, whereas and because it believes that uh, that the stuff or the bread, um, the material possessions uh, and who possesses them is the problem. And we we really um, talked about that a lot in the last in our last time together. But the Christian worldview, from God's perspective, the problem with human suffering is that it originates in sin. And um, of course, because Marx did not even believe in the supernatural, did not believe in an invisible God. A matter of fact, he not only didn't believe it, he believed that people who believe it are the problem. And so 
even though there are different uh, expressions of socialism, one of the expressions is uh, that is uh, very relevant for our time is, quote, Christian socialism. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. And that kind of uh, takes a scripture or two and takes elements of Marxism of course, uh, negating the non-spiritual parts of Marxism uh, negates that, but but it takes his some of his other philosophy and kind of integrates it with uh, the where we hear Jesus talking about and understand Jesus' concern for the poor and the scriptures that talk about that, um, and and I have used this example before because uh, one of my spiritual fathers used it and it's it is simplistic and and may seem raw but it is in fact an easy a, a simple uh, way that we can that kind of gives us an idea of how easy it is to take some scriptures weave them together and make the Bible say something it's not saying and so my job okay is to and my heart actually is to equip the body of Christ with a holistic view of scripture you know one of the examples the example that he gave us all the time and it would make us laugh but it was true he said you could take the scripture where where it says that Judas hanged himself, and then you could take the other scripture where Jesus is talking to the lawyer and the lawyer tells him, uh, Jesus is trying to teach him about the um, the importance of mercy and, and how you treat people. And Jesus tells him, go and do likewise. You can take those two scriptures and you can say, it's okay to kill yourself. You know, Jesus hanged himself, go and do likewise, thus says the Lord. Well, that is not what the Lord is saying. But the point is, we can make the Bible say anything we want it to say. And the existence of cults is evidence of that. And the existence of wrong teaching is evidence of that. So we are, we are here at Kathy Pixel Ministries. Our heart is to establish people in, in the truths of Scripture that we need to know how to rightly divide the word of truth. And the word of truth has to be, we have to put on the Bible like lenses. And then when we look out in the world and we go to a voting booth or we're choosing a church or we're choosing a spouse or we're even perhaps choosing a university, whatever our choices are, that they are undergirded through the revelation of God in his word. Because the word of God says this word is settled forever in heaven. So with all the chaos and all the uncertainty and all the fear-mongering, we have one thing, the Bible, that we can depend on. So we talked last week, established that ideologically, a Marxism is at odds with Christianity. Uh, the second major issue in terms of Marxist economic theory is that the Word of God teaches us the importance of integrity, character, generosity, honesty, kindness, and fairness. The book of Proverbs alone is full of wisdom about hard work. 
the Bible speaks a lot, and and we'll we are going to see when we talk about capitalism because we are going to talk about capitalism next. That how the Protestant work ethic, which was a work ethic that was founded in uh, principles and biblical wisdom, really was a driver of the success of capitalism uh, in America, but also uh, eventually worldwide. It is uh, the the principles of the, uh, that are in, for example, the Book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and other places, uh, shows that there is a reward. God tells us how to live so we can prosper, what kind of lifestyle choices we can make that will enable us to be good citizens, that will enable us to be uh, productive members of society. Marxism contrarily punishes those who practice principles of success by giving wealth by giving resources to those who do not do it. Um, you can be hardworking in a Marxist uh, in a Marxist paradigm. You can be hardworking, industrious. You can burn the midnight oil and give what you make to someone who doesn't. It eliminates a world. This is where Marxism is at its one of its proponents, this aspect of Marxism is at odds with Christianity in that it eliminates a world where there are where there are rewards or consequences. In the word of God, contrarily, there are rewards and consequences for things you do or do not do. The underpinnings of scripture promote an ideology, promote a worldview, that values individual responsibility. In the word of God, we see where, uh, where in Proverbs, we are, uh, Solomon speaks to us about the industriousness of the ant in nature. We, he talks about sleeping too much. God knows what will help us create our own wealth so that we do not have to take from someone else. The scriptures clearly teach that aid should be tied to responsibility. And remember, I am I am definitely a big proponent of there being some sort of safety net for people that are truly unable to take care of themselves, whether it is especially the elderly, okay? Uh, that is, uh, I think that that's a given, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more when we discuss capitalism. But the Bible teaches that aid is tied to responsibility. First of all, it says in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. I'm sure Karl Marx did not like that scripture because... Well, I, I'll, I'll be nice, <laughs> but he, th okay, that's one. Um, no one should, also the, the scripture speaks about how no one should be given aid whose family should provide for him. Think about that. In fact, the apostle Paul said that a man who fails to provide for his family is worse than an unbeliever in 1 Timothy 5.8. The church even required that widows receiving aid that they have a reputation of good works. So even in dispensing aid, 
We see in the scriptures that the church rewarded virtue and it discouraged bad behavior. But unfortunately, socialism does just the opposite. It says you can live how you want to live because the peop- somebody else will take care of you. You know, that is at complete odds with what is, uh, what, with what is communicated through the word of God. So the next area where, uh, so that's the first two um, components of of socialism that are problematic in terms of a, a Christian worldview. The third one is this whole topic of private property. In Marxist teaching, or as they call it, the uh, dialectic, remember what we said in our first episode, that it def- redefines good and evil. Sin changed from rebellion against God in Marxist ideology into striving for individual ends as opposed to the collective. So you are a sinner, for lack of, in the Marxist religion, you are a sinner if you oppose the collective as a whole. So the institution of private property rights represented two Marxist thinkers it represented original sin, okay? So, in but when we open our Bibles, we see that both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, both those testaments unequivocally, unequivocally, <laughs> excuse me there, unequivocally affirm private property. We can't even obey the Eighth Commandment. Think about this. We The Eighth Commandment tells us, do not steal, how can we steal from somebody? How could stealing exist if everybody owns everything together? Clearly, we don't own everything together. We have private property. The other big issue here is that how can we steward our own money as Jesus teaches us to do if the state owns our money and we don't? So for an economic and political system to be Christian, it has to protect private ownership and allow individuals the freedom to give their own resources according to their conscience. That is what we see throughout scripture. Um, And so once again, we see that Marxism diagnoses a problem, which is always the problem is somebody has two more than me. Now, just, just think about that. The commandment is, and God teaches us through his word, do not covet. That automatically assumes that someone in life is going to have more than you, have something that you don't have. Does does Jesus anywhere say we're to take what someone else has because it's not fair that they have it and we don't? See, when we really start breaking all of this down, it's very deceptive, but it's wrapped in 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 a, in a spiritual virtue. Um, Marx argued that capitalism, and once again, as I said before, we're going to talk about this, but he argued that capitalism dehumanizes people by alienating them from their labor. In in Marx's view. Capitalist economies value money and wealth acquisition more than they valued workers. That was what he thought. They view the worker as a business expense rather than as a human being. And so 
judging from the state of capitalism today, Marx's critique really had some has some truth to it. But his solution, once again, was extreme. He believed that workers of the world should and would overthrow capitalism. And when that happy, happened, Mark believed, workers should abolish all private property and eventually abolish the state itself. He had this whole extrapolated view of this philosophy working out ultimately into this utopia. And as I repeatedly say, utopia is when heaven completely comes to earth, when there's a new heaven and a new earth. But for now, ut utopia isn't within reach. It's not what we're called to do. We are called as, as, as children of the light. We are called to bring the kingdom of God and manifest it in a sinful world until the full redemption of this earth happens. That's the scripture, not, not equal distribution of wealth to create a utopia. This was Marx's idea of heaven, but it is opposed to God's idea of heaven on earth. So, um, so Marxist socialism wants to abolish your private property, but the ownership of private property is, is, is linked, strongly linked to freedom and liberty, which are essential to God's design for human culture. When the government takes partnership of our property, it reduces our ability to interact freely with each other in, in every area. Um, so this wisdom does not work. This idea of uh, not having private property and the collective ownership of property is opposed to the revelation of scripture. So hopefully I have establish that point, right? So now we're on number four and I could spend like an episode on each one of these, but I want to give you the major points. Fourthly, is that Marxism, socialism condemns an entire class of people. Scripture strongly warns the rich and the powerful not to oppress the poor. That is a given. In fact, Proverbs 14.31, here's a scripture, Whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for his maker, but the rich are not the cause for all the problems in society. And this is what we need to recognize. Remember, it's sin. In a Christian worldview, sin is the problem. In the Marxist worldview, anyone who has anything is the problem, and especially people who have a lot of it is a problem. I Marxist Karl Marx would not have liked Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He would not have liked Solomon. He would have not liked, you know, Lydia in the Bible, who owned a business and was the seller of purple and donated the proceeds from her business to support the ministry of the apostles. He would have not liked Joseph of Arimathea, who was wealthy enough to have a burial place for Jesus' body. See, this is not, this is not, when you think about it, this isn't right. People like Bill Gates, 
Okay, everybody, everybody I know, a lot of people have problems with Bill Gates, but people like Bill Gates or um, other billionaires, okay, um, tech billionaires especially, uh, or Steve, you know, when Steve Jobs was here, him, people like Bill Gates are not acquiring wealth by stealing it from the masses. They're creating, they created products um, they which produce wealth and actually provide jobs for many people. And but the fact is that even let's say if Bill Gates and um, oh the oh, I don't know why his name eludes me the guy who owns I could oh Jeff Bezos yes that's it oh that brain is kicking in um, even if they were exploiting the poor even if they were exploiting nowhere does scripture support that the have-nots demand money from the haves you find me a scripture and I'll defer that point to you, but nowhere in the Bible are we told to demand money from those who have more than us. Instead, the scripture teaches that we should not covet and we should be content in all our circumstances. Philippians 4, 11 through 13, to be content in all our circumstances. The apostle Paul said, I have learned how to be a base, but I have also learned how to be content when I abound. Nowhere does Paul say, you know what? I'm really mad I don't have something, so I think I need to take from you. Fifthly, and this is really important, the state in Karl Marx's view, the state replaces the family. Uh, Friedrich Engel, the co-author of the Communist Manifesto with Marx, wrote this, and I quote, the single family ceases to be the economic unit of society. Private housekeeping is transformed into a social industry. The care and education of the children becomes a public affair. So we see that within integrated in Marxist, see Marxism, let's just be real. It is a, it is a religion, okay? It is a religion. It is a way of thinking. And so, and it has all the components of a religion, but God is not God. The eternal creator of heaven and earth is not God. The collective of humanity. Go back to the Tower of Babel in our very first episode. The collective unity of man, the state is God, and the state determines what is best to teach your children. So you are not even able to pass on and that your your own traditions, your own values which is so integral to the passing on, leaving legacies of faith to our children. What was, what was it about Abraham that struck God's heart that Abraham could be someone he could leave a vision with, that he could use to establish his kingdom in the earth? It was the fact that Abraham would teach his children's children. And we are seeing before our eyes a generation that has been formed through sec whose minds have been formed through the teachings of secular humanism. We are seeing the results of it right now. And it is, it is uh, being utilized to destruct the very foundations of this country. 
So this is an important, another important uh, component of Marxism. Now, as I mentioned before, there is uh, a brand, I should say, or a, uh, I guess that is the word, <laughs> a brand, um, a type of or, or degree of socialism that is now espoused in the Christian community. And I um, humbly submit this. I, as a, what I believe the word of God is, I love my brothers and sisters. Uh, when we all get to heaven, someone is, you know, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to ask you what your economic philosophy was, but I will say that, you know, we need to be careful about what we teach others and how we are using the word of God. And as I have said before and will repeat, I am not both capitalism and humanism, uh, capitalism, excuse me, and socialism are both human designed um, systems, thought of ideologies that are that are implemented are you that are implemented to try to alleviate worldviews on how to alleviate alleviate human suffering neither one of them are clearly perfect i clearly believe that 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 head head to head here that social socialism does not match up to the demands and the teachings of scripture but i also as I've said before, do not believe that capitalism, the modern expression of capitalism, not what sometimes capitalism is in its in its traditional theory, but how how modern capitalism is being expressed in our culture has is out is without defect, but socialism is also not the answer to that, and I am so excited. Um, to dive into that in in our next time together, because there are some real remedies uh, and some real patches and updates and upgrades that we can add to capitalism. But unquestionably, capitalism as a economic philosophy has done more to lift people out of poverty in the world when, in fact, socialism has failed miserably wherever it is. And do you know why socialism has failed miserably? Socialism has failed miserably because number one, in its root, it is anti-Christ. But secondly, one of the major reasons that it, that it has failed is because it doesn't answer the question of sin. And sin is the is the reason people are greedy and so you will see people in socialist countries just as you would in capitalist countries do evil things around money there is corruption in every listen this is it the, there's always going to be people at the top who have more than someone else below them this is the is the result of fallen humanity, and you see it. You, you I, I was just uh, listening. Yes, yesterday, that there is a vaccine that's in Russia that is that is supposed to be helping COVID or um, create a barrier of um, to help people from getting uh, COVID nineteen. Do you know what's happening in the so in in Russia right now? 
is that that vaccine is given all to the elites, the celebrities, the politicians, the government officials, the professors in the universities. Do you think the little person owning the shop selling bread in Moscow is getting that vaccine? No, all the elites, wherever there is man with a heart of greed, there will be someone who thinks he is more superior to someone else. So all which is to say, if you think that socialism will make everybody equal, it doesn't. The the depraved human heart in an individual will find a way to, to manipulate or exploit someone else for its own benefit, either through, through being a thief, through robbery, through corruption, through some way, someone will beat the system because this is how it's designed. Okay, so hope I'm making sense around that one. Um, so uh, when we talk about this uh, this aspect of Christian socialism, and then we're going to going to wrap up this session. Um, there's um, a uh, a quote from uh, Juan Guerrero. I believe that's how you you say his name. That at uh, President Trump's recent State of the Union, Union had uh, he was actually Juan Guaido is was the Venezuelan uh, opposition to the current socialist uh, the current socialist leader there, a dictator dictator. Notice that in socialist, notice that in socialist uh, regimes, there's a dictator. Okay, the Venezuelan dictator Nicolas Maduro. Um, he was in opposition and he said, Mr. President, please take this message back to your homeland. Americans are united. President Trump said to Juan Guaido, he said, Mr. President, please take this message back to your homeland. Americans are united with the Venezuelan people and know full well that socialism destroys nations. Now, the reason that President Trump said that was because of uh, obviously the socialist, um, the socialist regime that he that Maduro has been overseeing that has caused great devastation to Venezuela, and listen to what Maduro's response was when President Trump said that he said, "We have the right to build socialism, and we will build a new democratic humanist Christian socialism of the twenty first century. Maduro called the socialism he's building Christian socialism. So do you see the enemy's tactic here? All you have to do is add the word Christ to it, Christ to your ideology, and the masses might swallow it because they'll think that God is ordaining that ideology. Jesus said, listen, this is scripture. This is a biblical worldview. Jesus said, if any man follow me, he didn't say if any state follows me, if any man follows me, Jesus established in his teaching and in his preaching, the preeminence of individual choices. He, Jesus is clearly the central figure of Christianity and the Christian worldview. He never, 
ever, 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 not even once, even a little bit indicated, just the tiniest bit or taught that the way to best serve and show love was to first empower government to take over the means of private production. Jesus never did. A matter of fact, many of Jesus' parables were were about investment, were about trade. We're going to uh, talk about that when we uh, examine capitalism. Nowhere did he, number one, tell government or uh, speak to government to take over the means of private production and private property. Secondly, Jesus never demanded that government be responsible for redistributing the fruits of labor to those that, that they felt, the government felt, needed it the most. And thirdly, he never told us to submit all aspects of our individualism, our talents, our desires, our efforts, our giftings, our ability to create wealth to the greater good or the or as Marx calls it, the collective, or the government to take and use as it willed. And see, that is, this is the critical juncture we are at right now economically and politically in our culture, where people believe that this is the way to fix the problems. Actually, uh, one gentleman, uh, Michael Waltzer, a, uh, who espouses this brand of Christian socialism, writes that what touches all should be decided by all, that the great economic enterprises should be owned by all of us in common. Decisions should be based on what benefits all, not the maximization of profit. Just for one minute, I just had this we can't even, our Congress can hardly agree on anything. Can you imagine if this was left to, and this is, I mean, I love my country, but when you get government involved in stuff, it, number one, you find out there's fraud. You find out that it's not that the government doesn't do some good things, it does, but it just makes everything bigger and more bureaucratic and makes it harder to be implemented. I mean, we all have been to the DMV, right? I won't go down that trail. But anyway, Michael Walter's whole point is that all of this should be communal. Everything should be communal. And so we see in the scripture that, that Jesus wanted his followers to feed the poor. See, this is the Christian's response in a worldview. How to cultivate a Christian worldview? Look to the Bible. Jesus didn't demand that we take someone someone's stuff to even the score. He wanted his followers to feed the poor out of love for him and for for the 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 love of the kingdom and for the love of his father to do unto others as we would have done to ourselves not for his followers to simply stand back and cry out and for the government to take care of everybody. 
And I am so, honestly, it is really the church in this hour and throughout the history of this nation that has rallied around the poor, that has helped the poor. Um, And can we do better? Always we can do better. But the answer is not implementing a antichrist ideology that usurps our freedoms, our liberties, our choices. We can see that now that even if you speak up and disagree that you are, quote, canceled, you can lose your job, your income. This is not the America that God has dreamed of. And we need to stand in this hour, stand on the word of God, stand on truth in love, and fight in the realm of the Spirit for what belongs to us, and educate one another from a practical standpoint. So with that said, I encourage you, take these episodes, share them with your friends, your family. You know, I'm not here pounding a hammer telling you, you know, you're going to hell if you don't think how I think. That's not what I believe. But I'm saying if you're, most people are well-intentioned, most of us see the hurting, the sick, and the despairing, and we want a solution. And I will say that first and foremost, there, there is and there are spiritual solutions. There are spiritual solutions for the sick, for those that have terminal illnesses. And the church needs to rise up and start taking hold of that revelation as well. We need to start having those massive healing revivals and tent campaigns that they had in the 50s, if that's what it takes to heal the sick. But there are also ways that we can we can better establish for those that are without Christ, we can be part of the solutions and offer the wisdom of God to create solutions to the problems that are in our world because we have the mind of Christ. We express Christ in the marketplace, in government, in the classroom to help create solutions based on scripture. So thank you once again for joining us. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And please um, email us at podcast at kathybixel.com, podcast at kathybixel.com. Let us know how these podcasts are continuing to bless you. And just a real shout out to those who continue to give and support this ministry um, through your donations and your prayer support. You have really been a true blessing in this season. And we here are believing for your increase in every way and your overcoming and super abounding uh, faith to be evidenced to all that we can all witness God's glory coming into our land in this very critical time. We love you. God bless you and see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Kathy Pixel podcast. For more information about Kathy, her upcoming itinerary, media resources and more, visit kathyvixel.com. Again, we want to thank you for taking the time to listen. The Kathy Vixel Podcast is produced by Newgate Media Copyright 2020.